Hi guys, welcome to episode 11 of the Man V Fat Podcast. We are uh, in the Spread Eagle Pub in Stafford, just on the border of Wolverhampton. It is Sunday afternoon, it's a carvery, it's quite busy, uh, so you might get a bit of background noise, don't worry about that. Mira is over with Roman, how are you? I'm alright, how are you? Good, thank you. How was your episode 10, all about you? It was, it was good, yeah. yeah. How was the editing process on listening to your own voice? Difficult. Sure it was, but we got there. A little bit of uh, Man Fat news to start with. Uh, as you guys will know by now, tracking goals is something that's been introduced from the 1st of October. Yeah, by, uh, well, Progress is helping with that, isn't it? Yeah, and our app Progress, so basically, as you guys will know, that is, uh, you are now getting points for tracking your food and exercise. But it helps though, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it really helps, helps massively. That's why we, uh, we're we pushing it. Also, some other changes. You might have had your AQA sessions with your coaches, uh, the guys who are playing Man Fat Football. Yeah. Uh, as of right now, none of them have took place in the Manchester League, so we're not too sure how it's going to go, but I'm sure they'll be great. Looking forward to it though, looking yeah. forward to it. Have you got some questions for Dan when he goes on there? Many questions. Yeah. I don't want to hold the room though, I need to let other people ask I'm questions. I'm sure he'll love you, Roman. We are here with Jane and Paul from the British Obesity Society. How are you guys? Good afternoon. Yeah, good. good. Starving actually, now I can smell all this yeah. food. <laughs> no, yeah. People eat big portions, don't they? Well, yeah, <laughs> especially at a carvery, yeah. Yeah. That carvery does smell good. I know, it, it does, does smell good. It does, I might have to uh, get something out of my own, I think. <laughs> So we're here to talk about the British Obesity Society, which is a charitable society. Uh, tell us a bit about it. Well, the British Obesity Society was um, founded in 2011. Um, I used to be vice chair of the National Obesity Forum. And um, it was a really good organisation. started in 2000, just when all the drug products had come out for obesity. Um, it's predominantly run by healthcare professionals. It was very medical, medically orientated, so it was a lot of it was around drugs that you could take for obesity rather than lifestyle, although obviously there's a bit of lifestyle around it. Um, so in 2011 I just thought, you know, I want something more just simple for the people, so move away from like a medical kind of organisation and make it more kind of for everybody, for people who just want to simply go to an organisation and say, what can I do? Where can I go? What kind of things are available without everything being run by um, drugs? So, so yeah, so I started in 2011, had no money, but it, it's, it's one of those organisations that doesn't require loads of money. So we haven't got to get hundreds of thousands. None of our staff get paid. We're all volunteers. Um, got a really good board and um, yeah Paul contacted me last year and said he was really interested in the kind of whole issues around obesity he works in schools we got together got on really well joined the board and yeah since then things have gone from strength to strength because Paul's brought with him but like we're all old people so just to explain to everybody and uh, Paul's brought with him kind of youth and what young people want to hear and want to want to know about um, because when you've been, I mean, I've been nursing for 44 years, you know, it's a long time and you get set in your ways and you need to kind of, you forget what 
people are actually wanting and what people want to know about and how people want to get that information. So, yeah, Paul's been a yeah, bright spark on our board. What attracted you to, to the... I think um, I came across British Obesity Society and there was loads of information on there. There was, there was hints, and this was really interesting, there was hints of, there was quite a bit of clinical information, it was an old website, so there was an older website and this was been updated. But there were these kind of hints of wanting to move away from that, I found that really interesting. And I just happened to send an email to Jane. And I spoke to her, and obviously, you know, she's a brummy. She, uh, you know, she had lots to say for herself. And I said, well, let's have a little chat. And as she said, you know, we really, really got on. And then we, we ended up talking for a couple of hours. And I think the common ground was, I'm, I'm not clinically based. I'm a nutritionist, um, but I'm not clinical at all. But the common ground that we had was we both had similar thoughts, and I think we'll touch on this, in that, and I think you guys, certainly with what you do, you know, this is a really common theme. When it comes to obesity, it's very common. It, it does become very, very clinical and it becomes very statistic based. But the fact is, we're still scared to talk about it. The conversation that I have on a weekly basis, possibly even on a daily basis, is what we forget is over half of the population are struggling with their weight. So why are we so scared of having a chat about it? And I think what we've done really well as a team, as a board, as an organisation at the Obesity Society, is we've really built this kind of conversation. We've spent a lot of time building our kind of social media platforms because it's a kind of free, accessible way. We hold so much conversation on there. You know, we put out decent information. People are messaging us all the time with questions, very similar probably to you guys. You know, that we're just we're just in this kind of culture at the moment where we're just stuck. We don't know where to go. We don't know where to turn to. You know, you go to a supermarket. All of us now, we could go to a supermarket and we consume a thousand calories for about one pound fifty without even knowing it. You know, we, we just don't know what the answers are, and it's because there are so many mixed messages. And I think what we wanted to do, and what we're really building, and we're really proud of what we've done over the past kind of year and a half, is we're kind of trying to build and change that culture of you know it's okay you know it's okay to be concerned about your weight it's okay not to have all the answers but let's chat about it you know let's just have a conversation yeah just to get the nation talking about something that affects it, like say over 50 percent of the population have, yeah. have issues with it so what do you what kind of thing do you do on a daily basis then jane what, what what's on a daily basis, I mean, I'm, I'm a nurse by background, so, you know, I've been a mid nurse, midwife, a health visitor, psychiatric nurse, um, so I've got a kind of broad picture of people's lives. Um, the, the kind of thing um, we try and do is we try and write um, little leaflets, which we're hoping to do podcasts for, um, which are aimed at specific groups of people, because I think a student is going to listen to different information than a person who's 67. Yeah. And a family is going to listen to different information than a bloke who lives on his own with three mates. You know, a 30-year-old bloke who's still going out, getting drunk, doing all the things he wants to do, playing rugby, whatever he does, um, is going to want different information to like a woman in her 50s. And so we've realised that you can't just have one thing for all people, which is what I love about Man V Fat. I mean, you're aiming at the male population. 
and you know I'm sick to death of hearing all this kind of political correctness about men and women are the same you know we need to all be the same you know I'm afraid everybody out there who's listening men and women are not the same very different we think differently our brains are programmed differently we are different and if we make us all kind of one person we're just going to become lost in this kind of nothingness yeah I think we you respond know. to different things exactly and men you know men respond to different information women respond to different information um, and, and so what we're trying to do is kind of tap into all those different areas and kind of give them the advice that they want for their area you know I mean yeah so that's that, that's what our aim is and also we want to grow we, we don't want to have like um, a vision for where we want to go because as you know your vision gets led by your, your people who come on your website Every single day, I have about 20 emails. I've got a cracker here. I won't read it out. It's very long. Um, from people who are begging me to help them. And they always start with, I've tried everything. And I always send an email back pretty much immediately, if it's not like late at night, and say, you haven't tried everything. You just think you have. And I'll get back to you when I've had a thought about your letter. letter and, you know, I do try and answer them all. But, of course... You know, the more we get, the more difficult it is, because like, there's only... I think day-to-day, -day, as a kind of organisation, the one thing that is quite... Obviously, we're a charity, so we've, you know, Jane and I both got full-time jobs. You know, we're very, as Jane says, I mean, I get emails from Jane at two in the morning, you know, we work really, really hard. And one of the key things that we do is we're just, as I said, we're, we're constantly interacting with individuals, you know, and it isn't all really serious things. Some people just want, we had them um, on our Facebook a couple of weeks ago, some man who wanted to know where he can get a bike, a stationary um, bike, which is going to hold his weight. Do you know what I mean? People yeah, just yeah. don't know where to turn to, yeah. so they come to us. But one thing that is really clear is Jane and I, I reckon every single day of the week, we're on the radio talking about something to do with fat. Because the fact is, in this current climate, there is something every single day that is being discussed around food, around calories, around, I mean, last week there was, that, um, there was a story that um, obesity is now the biggest killer, um, the biggest cause of cancer yeah. in females, yeah, for example. Yeah, we have seen that. I mean, yeah. you know, I was on three radio stations discussing that. You know, there's so much at the moment. It's such a headline, you know, that statistic. We are, you know, we're the fattest country in Europe, for starters. We are the fat man of Europe. People are dying because of the food they're putting in their mouth. Do you know they spend six billion pounds a year on obesity-related diseases? Just think about that, six billion pounds a year. What, what I think is really interesting, coming from like the older perspective, I mean, I started nursing in 1974, and type two diabetes didn't exist as a condition. So um, it was elderly onset diabetes that used to affect people over 70. I only ever saw two or three instances of it in the whole of my nurse training in four years. So now, you know, we've got 44 years later, you know, it's the biggest growing disease in the country. We've now got, you know, it went from 2% to 6%, probably 10% actually now with undiagnosed. It's specifically brought about in 95% of all cases by being overweight or obese, by what we eat and our lifestyle. So it's a condition brought about by the way we live in our lives. So in those 40 odd years, the way we've lived our lives has completely, completely changed. And like, I can't understand why we don't kind of start looking back at, I mean, we know some of the things that have changed. I mean, look at now, Carveries, everybody. I don't know about you, but when I was young, we never, ever, ever had a meal out. 
I remember once driving along the motorway and asking my mum for a drink and stopping, and then I wanted something to eat. My mum went crazy because, like, nobody had the money. Now, yeah. nobody can be bothered to cook. They don't even know how to cook. My, 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 my son's friends, some of them have never cooked a joint or a chicken. They've never cooked a Sunday roast. Yeah, we had recently um, episode nine. We had Nadine Taylor, who is, is a nutritionist and chef from the Midlands. She was on and she was talking about just people just literally not knowing to boil an egg. Like, yeah. you know, coming out of school and not knowing how to just feed yourself. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't think that, and this is going to sound, and I want to really strip it back a minute, I don't think it is an individual's fault. Let me, let me kind of justify my point here. If you think over the past, let's say, 30 years of, as a kind of as a nation, as a culture, as a world in fact, what we've gone through, the shifts that we've gone through, let's focus on like Great Britain for the time being. So from the 1980s, there was a time when out of nowhere school fields were sold, home economics, I didn't do it at school, I did food technology, I learned how to see a Victoria sponge, that was it. Yeah. So we didn't get taught how to make a chicken, you know, roast a chicken, a roast a beef, whatever. Um, milk was taken away for a time, it was taken away from kids in the morning, which was, you know, a significant kind of contributor. When I was at school, I was born in 1989, so when I was at school in the kind of 90s, from 90s until 2006, which is the Jamie Oliver Feed Me Better campaign, which is that whole kind of focus on Turkish Twizzlers, the food, and I'm sure we can all relate to this, the food was horrendous. Horrend I was in secondary school from, from 2001, and I was in secondary school, and on my life, we used to have vending machines stocked full of Skittles, full fat Coca-Cola, you know, the worst of the world. I think now, you know, working within Child of Obesity, and I look now and I'm like, no wonder. Now, in addition to that, let's remove food out of the way. In addition to that, you've got the rise of multimedia, you know, Nintendos, yeah, they kind of existed, but it exploded. The rise of the internet. We've got this sedentary culture, you know, this absolute removal of kind of um, focusing on the fact that it's important to move a little bit more, get outside and play, and to eat decent nutrition, nutritional food. So when I'm having a conversation with the current generation of parents, largely born 1980s, 1990s, etching into the 2000s, you know, the current generation of parents, they're, they're confused. But it's not their fault. Because in addition to that, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, I bid anyone to go into a cinema and try and eat anything of nutrition. Anyone. You can't do it. You know, in society, it just kind of allows that to happen. We don't, we go, ah, oh, but it's a treat. In my gym, I will say what it is, Nuffield Health Gym. So, great gym, all around the country. Now, in my gym, they released in November last year a children's menu, and they were buzzing about it. They were like, we had spent a lot of, um, time and energy into our children's menu, new children's menu coming out, big marketing campaign. Now I am not exaggerating to you when I say everything on there is pretty much deep fat fried. As you walk into my gym, this is Nuffield Health, right? Nuffield Health, which is one of the biggest private health organisations in the country. When you walk into my gym, just before you turn you know left your gym membership is going to be going up, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Find a new gym, Paul. Hang on, let me finish. When, when you turn left into the changing room, there's a big ice cream stand, right? An ice cream thing where you can get ice cream. Now, I know for a fact, if I was to have a conversation with my gym manager and I said, number one, I've got issue with these menus because there's so much deep fat stuff on here. Number two, why are you serving ice creams? He will 100% say, hey, it's balanced. 
the one place you can get away no with not having balance yeah. is in a gym. You can say we do not have those types of food here. But it's because the culture, you know, our culture, it, it, it allows us to feel that we are entitled to consuming foods which are not ideal, you know. And so I don't think, I do think it is made, and it's getting easier potentially, but it is made really difficult for, you know, individuals in society to eat, as you guys know, you know, to really, you've got to make such a conscious effort, haven't you? You know, to be, to live a healthier lifestyle. It's not easy. You can't do it by accident. Exactly. It doesn't just happen by accident. Exactly. And that's the thing, uh, <laughs> the point about the gym, my, I go to two gyms, I go to like a, a boot camp, which is kind of like a unit, which is basically a shed in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing in there, there's no food or anything. I go to a commercial gym, the commercial gym has got a, a vending machine full of chocolate and crisps and fizzy drinks. Uh, and I know that they're not aimed at the parents who are going in there. I know they're aimed at the kids who are going to play football on a weekend. And I just think that just sets, really, if you want to sum it up, uh, but it's just, you know, If you're trying to embed and make a culture of change in an establishment like a gym, whether that is a leisure centre, you know, where you have all sorts of aspects and customers come in, the fact is that, you know, if you've got individuals who are struggling with their weight and they don't really understand or they don't quite, you know, that they're struggling to kind of grasp the concept of what it means to be healthy, make it easy for them. Do you know what I mean? Make, make, it, make it easy for them to, to make those healthier choices. You've got a responsibility. And I feel that we haven't got there yet. You know, we've not got there. That even leisure centres, which uh, ran, council ran, and this was suggested on the Child of Obesity Plan Chapter 2 last year, that we're going to start to look at it. But I think that as a, as a you know, as, as a local government, as organisations, as a country, we've got to take more responsibility. And we've got to say, listen, Again, for the third time I said this today, 60%, over half of our nation are struggling with their weight. One in three children are overweight and obese. Look, we've got to do something about that. And the amount of conversations I have on the radio and elsewhere, you know, to people day to day, where they say, you know, are we living in a nanny state? You know, does the government need to keep intervening? Yes, because we can't do it ourselves. Because we, we, we just cannot, currently, we're in a situation where we clearly cannot live, and we don't know how to teach ourselves how to live healthy and lifestyles without, as you say, absolute effort. Yeah. I mean, going to the next level of that, the National Health Service, I mean, the local hospital in Wolverhampton um, has no longer got a, 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 a canteen it's only got Greg's the Bakers in there and Greg's the Bakers funds the heart unit so um, you can only buy now Greg the Bakers have got like healthier sandwiches um, and healthier options which are still not particularly healthy but you know to be quite frank with you you know I love food if I'm standing in a queue I am not going to go for a salad sandwich I'm going to go for that donut and, and like one of Greg's like you know fatty sausage rolls that, that because I'm, I'm, I'm captured by the smell and, and, and all of it and so yeah so not just in schools and leisure centres and health clubs in our NHS where we've got people who are sick because they're eating a load of crap we're now feeding them crap when they've got you know when they pop out to get a coffee. What role do you think the NHS for somebody who's worked for the NHS for a long time what role do you think they play in the future trying to tackle this obesity crisis shall we call it? Well I was asked this very question for today's Sunday Mirror actually and um, my response to it is that, um, that they were asking me whether we should fund more bariatric 
surgery and um, and you know why some CCGs and health authorities aren't doing so. And I said, you know, no, I think we should spend a lot more money on long-term efforts to get people to understand that if they don't look after themselves, then maybe we won't be around to look after them because we've got an NHS now, and I've been slated for this lots of times on, on, on in the media. I have lots of horrible sites set up about me. <laughs> I think what people need to understand is the NHS isn't free. It's not going to be there forever. They have got a budget, and when that budget's spent, they can't spend any more money. And if you continue living a life that is going to cause sickness, there might not be, at the end of it, someone there to help you. And then, and then you're stuffed. Lots of countries around the world do not have the same service we've got. I work in Bermuda. Um, half the population there are obese. They have one in five of the islanders are a type 2 diabetic, insulin dependent. That's 20% of the islanders. And, you know, they, they, they haven't got an NHS. So they have to have charities for people to get in insulin to give to people, otherwise they'll die. And so we need to kind of start to get the NHS to start to get people to recognise that, that they've got to look after themselves. You know, if you've got a car, you wouldn't dream of not having it MOT'd, you wouldn't dream of not having it looked after, you know, if you begin starting to go, you get it fixed. But people don't seem to do that with the health. And, and you can go out and buy another car, but you can't buy another body. I've always said that. I really, I really have always said that. In terms of when I went to a physio, he said nobody pays, nobody pays to look after their own body. They're quite happy to pay for looking after the car and going to wheels repaired or whatever, but nobody invests in themselves. And that really struck a chord with me and went, time to start doing that then. Yeah. Really, really, really is time and, to start. And, and you know, I, I, I did a talk in Bermuda in, in January and I opened it up with that very thing. I said everybody sitting here will, you know, wash the car on a Sunday. We'll have the car repaired if it starts to rattle. We'll have dents fixed. We'll be cleaning the windows. We'll be painting the bedroom. We'll be looking after the house. But like, none of you are looking after your bodies and that's the most important thing of anything you've got in your life, your body. And you know, people, you know, people get to 50. I've got friends who, are, who, I've, who I've seen deteriorate because they don't look after themselves. And I try and tell them in a nice way, um, and they think you're being a pain and you, oh, stop moaning and all that. But, you know, when you see them in hospital and you see them sick, you think, you know, I did tell you. And I think that's what the NHS should do more of. But we too, it, it's kind of... I know you say you can't blame individuals and I understand where you're coming from. Just on one of your points about schools, like years ago, I mean, we did uh, cooking in school, but actually we only learned to make cakes. I never learned how to cook in school. How I learned to cook was my mum used to cook, and we all used to sit down and have tea together. I mean, I don't know about you. How old are you? Can I'm 36. Uh, you, uh, no, we never did. Have you grown up sitting eating tea with your mum and dad? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. No, no telly tea for no, the telly. No, I would. Yeah, team from, not a table, team from the uh, sorry, team from the telly, yeah. Yeah. We had we, we used to sit at the table to be fair. We used to sit at the table, but uh, you know, most of my family are, are obese, so it's, there's obviously something something well, there that didn't work. Yeah, I mean I probably and, and that's the other thing. I mean just uh, you know, I'm sorry Paul, I'll let you come in, in a minute, you know. Um I'm, I, I um my 
parents, my dad has, has got 11 siblings, 11 brothers and sisters. Eight of them had type 2 diabetes with leg amputations before they were 55. So my dad had his first heart attack at 41. He died um, before he was 63. Um, not really of obesity related disease, but certainly nutritionally related. Um, and um, it's, it's familiar, not because it runs in the family, but because you all inherit the same eating patterns. And I'm pretty sure, you know, like, like we, we grew up to have big portions. Um, I was only saved by the fact that the mom, mom, mom was a different influence to my dad and came from a, a different kind of family. So we had better food and nutrition. So me and my brother were never big. But all my, you know, a lot of my cousins, hope nobody's listening now, but they are all big. You know, and, and it's because they, 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 they kind of, they, they, they follow what the parents are, are teaching them. And yeah, I'm, I'm from an era that, that we discussed, me and Roman discussed previously about the 80s being a little changing and from going from uh, well-cooked nutritional meals to being convenience. Yeah. And the microwave came yeah. in and it was all, you know, and we did used to eat a lot of microwave meals. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was, you know, the mum of the house would have to go to work as opposed to the dad of the house as well, so both parents working. The people would come home, they'd have, they'd have no, well, what they say is no time to cook, so microwaveable meals did then start making its way. But, but you see, my mum worked and still cooked a meal, and I've always worked, and I've still always cooked, so, like, in a way, those kind of, that's almost, um, that, that's the other bee in my body, you know. Um, we constantly hear people say, well, we can't afford to eat healthily, I don't have time to cook, I can do a meal in ten minutes. Easily it, defunct, easily defunct. From, yeah, and in fact, I, 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 I buy Gusto meals quite often that come, and, and they've got all the ingredients, and then and they're, they're called 10-minute meals, and from start of chopping up your veg to on the table, 10 minutes yeah. of time to myself, because for this very kind of thing, and I can do really lovely, tasty meals in 10 minutes. I'm not sure it is time anymore. I think there was a time that... Um, and I think probably in the yeah in the past in the beginning ten years ago when we suddenly decided as a country we need to really worry about obesity. One of the key things was people saying I don't have time to cook healthily. That was completely dismissed within about three years, and you've just kind of answered that. I think it's the education. People don't know how. Yeah. People don't know how, and there was one of the key things, the conversations that I often have, is that people say it's too expensive to eat healthily. So there was a study, can't remember the date, I'll get back to you. It was uh, by the um, Institute of Economics and they found that it is um, cheaper by weight of volume of food to eat um, fruits and vegetables than it is to have unhealthy food based on buying, I think it was something like a kilo of sweet potatoes compared to a double cheeseburger, you can, like, that's the equivalent, sorry I'll clarify, so for £1.99 the cost of a double cheeseburger you can buy a kilo of sweet potatoes, kilo of apples, kilo of that, so by volume, and obviously this is subjective, but by volume it isn't cheaper, you know, to, um, to um, buy, uh, you know, expensive um, fast food, and I think this is what it comes down to, it's this education, it's not understanding, but again I think that does come down to to possibly school, possibly how you're brought up. My mum, very working class. I was working very working class, single parent family. And um, she was born in the 50s, but she hasn't got a clue about food. Honestly, she hasn't got a clue. And I look back now and I say to her, I was like, what were you doing? Like, what were you cooking? My mum had probably a rotation of about five foods. And by the way, none of us were overweight and obese. 
But my mum, and she still does, has a rotation of about five foods. Luckily, we're all kind of like sports. Let me tell you what it was. We had cod, rice and tomatoes. Nice. Right? Pizza and salad. Yummy. Um, that lasagna that you that you just shove in the microwave. Yeah. Maybe she shove it in the oven every now and then with oven chips. Um, and then, what else was there? Never any meat. And I remember when I decided I wanted to go to the gym when I was about 15, I said, Mum, I've been reading Men's Health magazine and it says I need meat, <laughs> right? And she goes, do you know what she said? She goes, there's ham in the fridge. And she goes, we can only have one slice because we can't keep going through the ham. And this is what I was brought up in. And my mum hadn't got a clue. And this is, this is just the way, this is just the way it's sweaty is. And I think that my, um, my youngest brother, who, you know, he's, he's great and he's got family, but he still cooks in the same, same manner because he never took an interest in it and he didn't have that education. And this is just, I think, the state that we're at at the moment. And I do believe you either go one way or the other, partly because of genetics, partly because of what you're interested in, yeah. and partly because of, you know, what access you had to food. <coughs> I, and by the sounds of it yourself, Stuart, yeah. I didn't have access because of my mum. We didn't have access to decent, you know, high quality meat, food. I had no idea. So I had to teach myself, you know. My mum was exactly the same. She had a core of maybe four meals that we used to eat regular. Yeah. A good Sunday roast, though, to be fair. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah, yeah. where the that's majority of vegetables from the for the whole week would come on a Sunday. Yeah. But do you know what, Stuart? I, I um, as I got older, um, I remember, and still to this day, if I called my mum now, I said, Mum, do you fancy going out for coffee? She goes, Why would you do that? We've got coffee in the house. This is my mum's thought process, yeah. you know, and it's this. We're, we're, we're not moving around with the times in the sense of we're, whatever we're kind of taught or whatever, like, you know, where we've come from is, has a complete kind of impact on the, the, the way that we live our lives in terms of health, food and physical education. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my, my kids both live in London and um, they probably cook at home twice a week and the rest of the time they eat out to get takeaways. And that, that is part of the problem with the whole of the young generation. It's a culture thing. I it's think. a culture yeah. thing. I think the older generation probably, you know, um, ate too much of, you know, big meals and, 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 you know, tried their hardest but weren't really very good at cooking. The younger generation, I think they're just used to going out. Like today, you know, I, I, I mean, this 40 years ago when I was young would never have happened. That's why all the good pubs have been taken over now. They're all food pubs because everyone wants to eat. No one wants to just come out and have a pint I now. I think that's also a, a change in the culture in the country, though. I can remember I worked in the pub game for 10 years, from, from pretty much leaving school to uh, into my early 30s. Um, and it's completely decimated now, unless you're doing food like this place, like yeah. the carvery, forget it. There are still there are still some cracking pubs in Wolverhampton, if anybody wants to know, like that does brews their own ale and they, they've yeah. gone back to these micro pubs. But these are but only these maybe are, the last are, two or three, exactly. four or five years. We, we, we've got some cracking pubs that are still pubs, but yeah, you're right. The majority of the big pubs have been taken over, they're gastro pubs now, because, because everyone wants to eat. And what's replaced that is, is a cafe culture now. So yeah. people will go out for coffee, yeah. Bit of cake, yeah. you know. Yeah. Okay, the alcohol's not involved, which is, you know, maybe a slightly off thing. But then the calories are still there because. Do you know what? I mean, uh, we, we've. Uh, I've probably probably heard me saying this before, but um, I because I've worked with men predominantly the last twenty years. Um, one of the big things I, I had one guy who um, went to see the nurse. He was a diabetic, and she said, you know, do you drink beer? He said, yeah. And she said, you're going to have to stop doing that. And he said, well, what can I replace it with? She says, well, something healthy. And he says, like what? He says. You know, I'm, he says, what about milk? She says, yeah, milk's all right. And you drank 131 pints of milk a week. 
and he ended up with fatty liver. He was 39. We made a television programme with him, and he had a heart attack on the TV programme while we were making it. Um, so, so you know, like actually, and, and I see blokes all the time. They give a beer, they go in, they have a pint of, of lemonade or a pint of orange juice. You know, there's five times the amount of calories in that than there is in the beer. So, it's, so it's not just alcohol. It's the fact that when you've had a skin full, you want to eat something. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, like I, you know, I went out the other day. I'd like, you know, a few wines. Walked home, bought a bag of chips. Got home, thought, oh no, why did I do that? But you know, that it's. So it's not, I mean, obviously alcohol has got calories in, but I think, I think it's much more to do with getting people to understand what they're eating and how many calories are in there. Because are you a big uh, uh, advocate of calories in, calories out, calorie deficit kind of thing? Do you know, I've had this row for 20 years with everybody, Diabetes UK, with all the diet nutritionists, dietitians. At the end of the day, every single diet, no matter what you looked at, this new one that's come out, 800 calories made of shakes and things like that, every single weight loss program that works is based on you, personally, taking less calories than you used to take it. It's the only way. They're all, all diets are structured in a way that they might be overcomplicated. It'll take something like Slimming World that complicates basically what is essentially a calorie exactly. deficit. And we say this every single exactly. podcast. We do, we do. No, and, 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 and you know, interestingly, I mean, the, the, the first diets were like around in 1860. They did a vinegar and water diet, which obviously like everyone lost weight because they died. Um, and um, they, 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 they did a... <laughs> they, they then started uh, the, the, this diet, which was similar to... Um, the uh, the um, reduced carbohydrates. Uh, the, it was called the Bantin diet. So Bantin first bought the Atkins diet out 100 years before Atkins did. So um, these diets have been around a long time, but all of them, all of them are based on eating less calories. Do you know what? I, I being a nutritionist, I used to work in sports nutrition. I used to do a bit of consulting in sports nutrition, and. Uh, you know, as James already alluded to, I've played sports and I've got friends who, you know, are interested in losing weight or whatever. And people, as I'm sure you guys, Jane, and probably yourselves actually, people always say, how do I lose weight? And honestly, and sometimes Jane and I disagree on this, but my answer is always the same. Eat less, move more. That's it. Because the fact is, that is, that's your formula. If you can do that, if you can, if you can move a little bit more than you are today and eat a little bit less, the fact is, if you can sustainably do that, you're going to lose weight. Now, the way that diets work, the, the difference between a diet working and a diet not working is when a diet works, it's because an individual, they've done, they followed certain principles, it hasn't been too taxing on their lifestyle, so it hasn't been like, you know, you're consuming this, this, this thing in the BBC that was announced that some advocate decided in the week, this week, last week, just gone, where it was talking about this shake diet, about how this could be the answer. No, it couldn't. It's a disgrace because we're not teaching people about how what it means to be healthy. We're, we're removing them away from food. And what you're doing, you're putting somebody in such a calorie deficit, of course they're going to lose weight for a bit. But the fact is, it's not sustainable. No. You've, got to, you've got to make changes. The only way diets work is if you guys, and you are literally the blueprint for this, you make changes and you adjust your lifestyle to it. So then the normality is how you guys are living your life now. And that's yeah. it. And Job it's done. not difficult to do, is it? And, that, and that's what, that, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm really opposed to these shakes. But that, that report was funded by um, Cambridge Diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that report that said, yeah. 
Cambridge diet's really good. Was 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 basically funded I, by the Cambridge I've diet. I've worked. I've worked with Cambridge diet for years and years and years. I've never particularly got on with them because I've never been an advocate of it. It's absolutely brilliant if someone needs an operation and they need to lose weight for th in in three months. Someone's having gastric banding. They need to lose weight. It's brilliant because it kind of gets people's bodies to kind of shrink and eat less. But as a, as a as a diet plan for the everyday person, it's ridiculous because as soon as they come off it, I've had doctors who've written to me and said. I've been on, I've been on a, a fluid diet, and now I want to slowly introduce foods. But I'm worried that I'm going to start going back to my old ways. Well, of course you will. You won't. You, you won't be able to wait to, to have three pieces of toast with jam and butter. But it's a, it makes you feel you know, bacon I've sandwich. Done, I've done it as well. It exactly. Makes you feel awful. I know. And and and, and 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 actually, you know, if people just reduced. I mean, I, I simply just started like looking at what was eating and thinking, oh my God, that's like, I never thought there was that many calories in that little tiny pot tart, you know, like this. I just don't have them now. I don't get biscuits in. And, and you know, you can sustain that. You can sustain that life. Because I still eat, you know, I have a bag of chips if I want one. And I still, it's about, it's about changing the, the long-term way you eat. So instead of buying cream, have yogurt. Now, if someone gave me a big blob of cream on, the, on, on, on something, I'd think, oh, well, that's horrible, you know. You can change your taste buds. And, and I, I think this whole thing, debate about whether we should look at calories, you know, and people say you shouldn't look at calories. You should look at how many calories are in the food you're eating. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I lost my weight through, through reducing calories uh, and, and exercising more. Um, but I got to a point where I kind of don't need to, I have an idea of what, yeah. how many calories are in something now. I don't need to track it as religiously as I did. I still track it, but not as, not as religiously as I did. Because you get an idea of, yeah. oh, well, there's probably too many. Do you know what really shocks me? And, and I ask people this, I did a talk to nurses and doctors on Tuesday about obesity. And I asked the question, I said, put your hands up if you had breakfast this morning. People put their hands up, you know. I said, what did you have? And then two pieces of toast. Is there anything on it? Yeah, jam. I said, how many calories in that? They go, I've no idea. And I'd say, why not? And they go, well, you know, these are these are people who, excuse me, were fat, right? Okay? And I said, You'd well, have to be excused to say I that said, on this podcast. I said, you, you know what? It. I said, you should have an idea. I said, because if that's what you have every morning for breakfast, and you know that each one of those slices of bread, the bread's probably 120 calories, the butter for a spoonful's probably, I don't know. Yeah, 70. Yeah, 70 calories, 70 exactly. Yeah. And then jam on top of that. So you're probably talking about 250 calories, that's being generous. Per slice, you've had 500 calories. That is actually quite a lot of calories for your daily intake. So, so unless you know that, and people like cereals, and they, I go, what cereals do you have? They go, I have gra muesli, granules, you know, and I, then I'll show them how much. A 30 gram a, a, portion. A 30, yeah. 30 gram or 35 gram portions, which doesn't even cover the bottom of the dish. Yeah. And they go, oh no, I have a big plate. I go, that's right, you have five portions, so basically for breakfast, you have a thousand calories with your milk. And that is really, and I say to them, like you just said, you don't need to know everything, you need to know. What is it that I eat? How many calories are in that? How can I replace it with something that's less calorific? And then once you get used to it, I don't need to look at calories. I know exactly what I'm eating. Yeah. I know exactly when I have a donut that I can't then go on to have like, yeah. you know, 
a big dinner and well, a I big Well, I know if I'm eating out or having a donut, I've got to go and do a session at the gym. Exactly. And that's the way I do it. I reduce my calories yeah. throughout the week. And, and, and that is, that is exactly it. You know, and I think it, it, people are scared. People say to me, oh, I don't want to be counting calories for the rest of my life. And I go, no, you won't be. Like, within a, within a month or two of doing this, then you suddenly know what you can and can't eat. Because going back to what you were saying, most people only eat the same six or seven meals, even the young people now, every single week. So as long as you know what you're eating in that, replace it with something that's probably less calorific, I think people would be better off. What role do you think the media play in, in, in this misinformation that, that comes out? Oh, this is the bane of my life because Let's, let's look at child obesity for a minute. And I think that there was a the Change for Life campaign, which was funded by the government, um, which we all should be aware of. It's like little yellow adverts, um, with those little hard man animation playthings, which is, is kind of, it tried to raise the awareness, but it was unrealistic and unrelatable. One of the key things, and Jane, you said something amazing about this, which really stuck with me actually, their most recent campaign was the 100 calorie snacks. The point being that as a nation, we need to be, we need to be consuming 100 calorie snacks, snack swaps. Jane, what was your instant response to that? Like I managed to go through the whole of my school life without having to have a snack in the morning, in the afternoon, and nothing happened to me. And I think that... Like I never even thought about having a snack because yeah. it wasn't on our agenda. So we had to wait for our dinner or lunch it's called now, uh, wait for our dinner, and then and then in the afternoon you, you went home and had your tea, you know, we didn't have snacks in between. It wasn't, it, it wasn't anything we even thought about. But I think what we've also got to remember is it's very hard for supermarkets to sell, you know, three for two offers on bananas. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not going to go to Asda because they've got, a, you know, a, a special offer on if I have two bananas I get an apple free and I think that in terms of the media and the portrayal of, of where we are currently at society society we're kind of stuck and we don't really know where we're going with things you know just as a from a kind of corporate point of view of late we, we know that the culture is changing because Coca-Cola brought out Costa, you know, we're, we're, our whole society is kind of shifting, but the fact is we're, we're, we're kind of stuck. I didn't know Coca-Cola yeah, brought Costa. Yeah, Coca-Cola brought, brought out Costa. Really? They're going wow. to change, well. change the world. Yeah. yeah, it's a massive story about two, three weeks Do you think that sometimes these companies, it's a bit half-assed approach? I, th I do. I definitely, I think what's hap what happens with the media is they take a story and run with only half the information. So you'll hear things like, you know, red wine's good for you, it's really important you have lots of chocolate as long as it's dark chocolate because it's like good for your health, it reduces this. Um, people, they, 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 they give out so many bits of information that most of the people I speak to, mostly nurses, doctors and patients, they're all confused with what's good and what's bad. I used to run a surgery in a barber shop. So I gave up my own time free every week. I'd be in the barber shop, you know, different blokes would come in, I'd do a surgery in the back. Now, obviously, they weren't expecting a real nurse in the back of the barber shop, but then they always got a shock when they came in and found Hattie Jake sitting there, like, you know, with a stethoscope. Um, but this one guy came in, it was in the era where you could smoke and, and you could, you know, uh, in, in public places. And he walked in with a fag in his mouth and he, he'd, he'd been to the pub and he'd still got a glass of beer. And he says, All right, you're the nurse. I went, Yeah, I'm the nurse. He went, I expect you I'm going to tell me off for smoking and drinking. I said, mate, I couldn't give a crap if you died tomorrow. And he said, 
well, that's charming. I said, well, why should I be bothered about your weight or what you do? And he said, well, my doctor's worried about me. I went, what, you think your doctor's out on a Saturday thinking, you know, well, I hope this isn't his real name. Jeff's okay, you know, not overindulging. I said, he doesn't care. I said, because it doesn't affect him. The only person it affects is you. And he went, well, I would like to lose weight. I went, well, let's sit down and have a chat about it then. And that is, although, you know, any nurses and doctors out there, please don't use that kind of language with your patients, obviously. Um, but the reality is that, that, that you've got to make people realise that they're not doing it for me or the doctor or their friends. They've got to do it for themselves. And until you want to do it for yourself, you're never going to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's very true. Yeah. What, 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 what made you think about losing weight? I, I tried for years. I, 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 you know, I'm the typical case study. Done that. Hamish diet, yeah, did that. Awful. Uh, you know, cut carbs, yeah, did that. Didn't like it. Used to su subscribe to, my, to Men's Health at 22 stone. Am I reading Men's Health for at 22 stone? <laughs> Looking at a guy's six pack, thinking, yeah, that's what I need to do. Oh, when Zell say that I should have a Snickers after I go and lift some weights at the gym at 22 stone. <coughs> you know, I'm the, I'm the poster boy for absolutely clueless about information, but also at a time not that bothered. Yeah. You know, not that bothered about. In my head, bothered. Outwardly, not that bothered. So, yeah. do you find it hard? When you were, when, and actually, still now, in fact, yeah. did you find, do you find that obviously there's temptations out there for all of us, every single one of us, but when you made that conscious decision, do you know what, I'm, I'm really, whatever that was, did you did you find that that really difficult, you know, that, that actual process? Yeah, I did, I did, because it was a bit of a watershed moment. I had a problem with food, there's no two ways about it. I had issues with food. My food was linked to my mental health, uh, I, was, I was a binger, um, and I went, in, went to a 12-step programme, uh, Overeaters Anonymous. Turned out that it probably wasn't for me, but I went to maybe three or four um, meetings, found it was other people who had the same issues, it wasn't just me who had these issues, and that was a watershed moment for me, and I never looked back since then. Educated myself. Uh, motivated myself. Memory fat played a big part in that. The support network was there. Do you look in the mirror, G, sometimes to give yourself a pat on the back? Because I don't, I don't think enough people do. I do you know what? I probably don't because I'm probably maybe two stones to go. I think maybe when it gets to where I want to yeah. be, I will congratulate myself. But what a journey, mate. You know, the fact that you've consciously done something. As you say, you've had a moment where you've gone, do you know what? I've, I've got to make a change to yourself as well. You know, I think anyone who's in their journey where they consciously, they say, do you know what? I'm not happy with who I am and I know that I can make changes. Once you make that realisation, you've got to give yourself some kudos because it's so hard to beat yourself up. Because the fact is, you could be looking like the geezer on men's health, but I can tell you I've worked with individuals who are physique competitors and they get there and they want to go further. You know, it's, you've, you've made some really, really, a really kind of valid point, which is there's so many links to both eating, the way that we feel, and, you know, our mental health. The fact is, you know, when we look in the mirror, we, we, we just, everyone wants to lose weight because they want to look good naked, period. Doesn't matter what your reasons are, you want to look good naked, that's it. And there's so many different connotations to that. But I think once you begin that journey, once you make that conscious effort to make yourself feel better, and feel can mean whatever you like, whether that's internally feel better or in your mind feel better, you've got to sometimes look in the mirror and go, do you know what? I've done something massive here. 
and I need to be really proud of myself. And I think we can beat ourselves up forever until we get, as you say, I've got two stones to go, then maybe I will. But like at the time being, you know, you're making a conscious effort. And every, no, time, think, yeah. every time you decide to go and play football or you decide to go to the gym as opposed to, you know, 10 years ago where you might have gone to the chip shop, you've got to go, do you know what? I've made such a change. And that's something that, you know, everybody needs to kind of take stock. I think that's where, uh, particularly men struggle with that. We have a big thing that we always say, you know, Every time you start a new season with Man Fat, which is every 14 weeks, take a before, take an after, put the pictures together, you know, there's loads of apps that you can do that and, and keep those photos because it's important for you to see how far you've come. That might only be a stone down the road, that might only be a few pounds. But it's important that, that you have you're to monitor up. your progress. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're showing yeah. up and that's the well, difference. Well, I, I think, that, I mean, um, if people really want to know the best way of losing weight, um, I think one of the best ways is through support of people, like-minded people, and that's why that's why things like Weight Watchers, Slimming World, Men V Fat, any community organisation where everybody's working towards the same end is beneficial because you've got you've got other people who know what challenges you're going through who are saying, "Well done, you. That's really good, you know," because they know what you're doing because they're doing it themselves. I'm, I'm interested in, uh, you went to um, Overeaters Anonymous because I was chatting to those girls or some of the founders of that um, and um, when, I, when I asked them to describe it and this isn't obviously, you know, there's no names here but they were saying it was almost like a religion. It's almost like, no, no, would you, I, you know, I, I, it's just that I think that you've hit the nail on the head. A lot of people who are big or who are t have potential to be big like I have got a really unhealthy um, issue with food because I love it, but basically I want to eat anything I see. Um, and so, um, and, and, but they were saying that it, it was almost like a following and a religious culture that you. Yeah, it was. And, and um, really, if I, if I, if I'm honest, that was probably what put me off yeah. a little bit. Why I didn't continue the program? Um, you know, it was all about giving. Uh, the power to, uh, it never necessarily was God, uh, to a, a higher power, yeah. you know, you had no control over That's the That's the feeling kind of I got when I was chatting to yeah, it. Yeah, it was, and, and for some people it works, but do you know what, looking at that right now, it's just a support group. Yeah. That's all it is, it takes you through these 12 steps like you would if you were uh, addicted to gambling or sex or yeah. drugs, you know, the process does help. But more than anything else for me, it was just having other people in the same room who was feeling the same way I was feeling. Yeah. And that, and, and it wasn't even uh, like everyone was 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 big, was fat. There was people who had, uh, you know, were, were binge eaters. Uh, there was people who were, you know, had issues with anorexia. Yeah. Anybody who had issues around food was there, and it was it was really good. As the program pro progressed, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, but it was really was the watershed moment for me to say actually. There is one thing, I'm going to search for other groups. Yeah. And that's eventually led me further down the road to my Yeah. And, and I mean, um, Weight Watchers, I know years ago, because um, I chatted to them they're, they're about, um, because I work, the work I do with men, they were looking to um, launch Weight Watchers for men, which they did in, I think they, issued, uh, they, they launched about 10 of them in various spots, mainly south of England. Um, but I think their big problem, I mentioned at the time, was that they actually tried to launch the exact same model as they got for women. And I said, that's never going to work. 
Like, so what you're doing, you're taking your concept of what you think works for women and you think that you, by having the same group for men, a group of men all sitting around talking in the same way as women do, is going to work. It doesn't, does it? And that's what I love about Man V Fat, because they've tapped into what works for blokes. Um, and that's one of the things that we feel about our organisation. We realise that not everybody's the same. And so there is not one, you know, the basic philosophy around weight loss to me is reducing your calories. In addition, you need to be physically active, but that in itself doesn't probably help you lose a lot of weight but it helps you maintain it, keep you fit and healthy, helps with your mental state. But I think a lot of times people get mixed up with the two. So they'll go to the gym three times a week, but not change what they eat. And then they don't lose weight, then they get fed up, and then they, come, they stop going to the gym. So, you know, my own, our big message, the message I want to get out on our charity, is that the only way you can change your weight to lose weight is by eating less calories than you're currently eating and then in addition to keeping your life your body healthy you need to do some physical activity but that isn't your weight loss the weight loss is like changing your calories and those are the two simple things and it's got to be sustainable so if you like sausages carry on eating sausages but eat less and have low-fat ones you know so so People go, I'm never going to have chips again, you know. Well, if you love chips, giving them up for life, I'm never going to have chocolate again. And that's what people do wrong. And that's why those shakes are short-term great, but long-term, completely Stuart, you were saying that. You know, you were saying that if you are into X, like you like, I don't know, whatever you, you really like, if you really like dairy milk or whatever, then you're very mindful. If you're going out for some food and you like dessert, you're going to have dessert, then you think to yourself, OK, well, I'm probably going to be eating more later on. So maybe I'll have a smaller lunch. The fact is, what we're completely avoiding is for all individuals who are struggling with their weight in any capacity, if it's making you miserable when you're trying to change it, it's not going to be sustainable. You've got to be happy. And as James just said, if you are into eating chicken pie and you're mad for chicken pie, then have as many chicken pies as you want, but be mindful that if you want chicken pie in the evening, it's got X amount of calories in, then just be mindful of what you're eating in the day. Yeah, and I no make good. a real conscious thing that I don't necessarily say, oh, I don't eat that. Yeah. I'll eat less of it, yeah. but I don't want to rule out any food, because I think that's, you know, once you rule out food, I think in, it, mentally you're then you like, want just constantly craving that You food. know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, people are always shocked that I, I, I jokingly say, when I, I do a meeting, and I've used to meeting, yeah, I can't wait to get on my way, because I'm going to stop at a... You know, Mackie D or, 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 you know, KFC, and they go, they laugh because they think I'm joking. And I go, and they go, you don't eat that, do you? Or when we're having food, they go, you having chips? And I go, yeah, because I'm not big, because like tonight I won't have chips, I'll have something that's less fat. You know, you know you've got to eat normal, you just got to eat less of it and less often. But you, you, you mustn't, and under any circumstances, stop eating things that you love because it will never work. Yeah. Apart from if you're drinking 18 litres of coke a day. Oh yeah, no, that's, oh, that's no, another thing. No, hang on, no, great. Because I'm really glad you brought that up because that is my and uh, you know uh, anybody who's buying fizzy drinks of any sort of any kind, stop doing it because actually you don't need it. You do not need anything to be fizzy. Yeah, but cherry Pepsi Max is good, Joe. No, honestly. Uh, I'll dye lemonade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would Sorry, say. Sorry, Joe. You're in I would say that that is the biggest one of the biggest changes that people have done i go to you know some of the supermarkets now i follow people i want to take pictures of their trolleys because they've got 26 
five-litre bottles of fizzy drinks. And I think, why are they drinking that? There's tap water. Not that I like tap water. I don't, you know, cups of tea or coffee, or maybe having it to mix with your, you know, drink at night. But the reality is people drink far too much fizzy drinks. So it's not even the calories they're having in the food. It's the calories they're having in the drinks. Yeah, we drink, Lattes, flappuccinos, We drink an average of 500 calories per day on beverages as a oh nation. Oh, my God. That's, which a, is crazy, that's horrendous. So literally calories. somebody, if you talk an average person who's consuming yeah, their calories yeah, 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 and yeah. they just stop doing that, yeah. they would yeah. literally yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, they lose a pound a week. But do you know what, on, on, on drinks, so I am a very, very strong believer and I have, with clients, with friends, with family, I'll tell you what, somebody's listening to this now, their life is going to change from what I'm about to say. If you consume more water than you are currently consuming, you will 100% knock off a couple of pounds in the next month because when it comes to hydration i mean the the biology of it is if you're dehydrated your blood's a little bit thicker and everything's got to work a little bit harder if you're hydrated and the way that we measure our hydration we should know this is your pee should be clear pretty much all day long apart from first thing in the morning now if we want to get into the technicalities of it so you should be drinking one liter of water per 20 kilograms of body weight for me i drink and that's by the way separate from if you're doing an activity so if you're playing football tonight let's say we're all playing football tonight we have our so i weigh about 80 kilograms so i'll i'll uh, drink you know four liters of water and uh, this evening when i'm playing football i'll have you know extra water because i've sweated it out but the point is you know if you were consuming more water i'm talking water without flavors and maybe a bit of fruit or whatever you will 100 percent it's going to contribute to weight loss and as well, you'll feel better. Your skin will be a little bit brighter. Your hair will be a little bit sharper. Your eyes will You'll feel better in the morning. I'm not a big key water fan. And then the other thing is, I, I, just to, uh, I think that's brilliant advice, by the way. But, you know, older people don't want to drink a lot, so especially women, because they don't want to keep on having to go to the toilet. Your body gets used to it. And this no, is it, doesn't. it does. It doesn't. Science is out there. I've it doesn't. It. I've studied it. I've studied it. I've studied it. Sorry, sorry, Joe. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Show me, show me the I, report. I, I use, to be fair, I use that as a measure of, uh, of how how good I am on my healthy eating because usually if I'm up and down to the toilet every two minutes, I know, I know I'm okay this week. But here's something, okay, so this is, this is really geeky, but again, if you can be bothered to do this, I highly recommend it. First things first, take home note from what I've just said, drink more water. Get a bottle of a two-litre bottle of water from Morrison's or whatever. Cost 40p. Drink that and then fill it up with tap water. Tap water's fine. However, this is really geeky, and I did a trial on this for myself. So, the water that you buy in the supermarket, it either comes as um, mineral water, spring water. Um, uh, what's the still? other one? Still. So, still water. Right. So those those three are completely different. You get table water as well, and then you've got tap water. Now Jane is going to kick off from what I'm about to say. Now, with tap water and still water it has less minerals in so your body doesn't hold on to it as much as it would do if you had mineral water or spring water now i'm not saying everybody should go and buy mineral water and spring water but if you're consuming a surplus amount of water jane i've done the test stop shaking your head right if you're consuming a surplus amount of water just get yourself some rock salt right drop one little exactly. rock of rock salt in a two liter uh, b uh, bottle of tap water yeah. and instantly you're improving the minerals and that will 100% hydrate you. Oh, 
better than... Oh, I'm glad you clarified that because, you know, I think it's an absolute waste that people in the UK go out and buy bottled water. An absolute waste. Secondly, the plastics that um, actually water stands in is often in with the water. So the, all those minerals that you're talking about, it's overshadowed by all the kind of plastic particles that can, yeah, that can start to cause other problems. So get a glass bottle with a top, screw top, or like, you know, a, 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 just, a, just a, a water drink, you know, a, a metal water bottle, fill it up with water, yeah, put a Christmas salt in if you want to spoil the taste um, and give yourself a bit of like minerals or whatever. But you know, you should be having minerals in your ordinary everyday But I need, to, I, need to, I need to clarify, I'm not telling everyone to do that. What I'm saying is drink more water, but drink if you are water. going to the toilet unnecessarily... I'll let him win that point. Drink more water, everybody who's listening now. Drink more water. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, and that's the thing. I think people, going back to what you were saying, people drink far too much fizzy drinks and high-calorie drinks and even coffees, you know. Do you find the, the biggest people you work with, that's always a, um, an overriding factor? We don't take into account calories from drinks. Yeah, None of us like do. The, the guys who are, who, are, who are really, really big and the girls who are really, really big, always, I mean, I don't know from experience, but I always... From, from watching TV programs and stuff like there's always an element of drinking a lot of full fat fizzy yeah. drinks. Well, I'll tell you, um, I used to work on the motorway networks with truck drivers. So we used to stop fat truck drivers, get, some, get them over, talk to the nurses, do their height, the weight, the blood pressure, the cholesterol, all of that, do a full medical on them. And we'd ask them about their, like, like their eating behaviours and their drinking. And some of those guys would have um, four Red Bull a day, a Lucasade, a big bottle of pop, fizzy pop, and when we looked at it, it was around 2,400 um, 2, calories just in their fluids alone. They'd stop, because they have to stop every two hours because it's on the, the, the they have a tachyograph. They have to stop, they have to get out of their cab for half an hour, so they go and they'll have a big coffee, a cappuccino, so it's like full of milk, it's about 400 odd calories in that and then they'd buy a red bull and then they'd have like you know some fizzy drinks and yeah absolutely and if they just substituted that with water they would have been fine because actually their eating behaviors were really good a lot of them now on motorway services you can have you know really healthy foods if you want to a lot of them choose quite healthy foods because you know a, a, a cooked english breakfast is not unhealthy so if you have a couple of poached eggs and, and some lean bacon and a sausage that's not full of fat and there's nothing wrong with that tomatoes mushrooms they're all really good stuff uh, but it's the drinks that they're having that are causing their problem so yeah i think that's hidden a real calories. hidden calories and things like they'd buy a big bag of nuts and eat them and they'd be like 1800 calories in the bag of nuts um, or they'd buy a bag of sweets and just get through them and each sweet, you know, like about 30 calories. The sugar intake, the, the, yeah. the energy levels must be just all over the show. Yeah, right? yeah. And they, and they kind of, I mean, it's really dangerous for truck drivers because, you know, um, if, you've got a to, if you're type 2 diabetic and you do go on insulin, there's this whole issue around, you know, if you have a, a, a problem and, 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 and have a hypo, then it has to be reported to the DVLA, you can't drive for three months. So what happens is they don't want to report it in the first place that they've got diabetes, so they won't go for the test anyway. So we've got a lot of drivers there who are worried about going to get tested. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would say to any driver on the road, uh, whether you're a truck driver or drive for a living, 
you know, stop drinking fizzy drinks, stop having a lot of calories in your drinks, think about what you're having and do what you do, you know, take a couple of litres of water with you and if you're thirsty, drink that. Because I think also when you've drank water, you're less likely to feel hungry. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, a lot of people mistake being hungry to being dehydrated. That's yeah. really common. Yeah. Really common. But again, a caveat: I'm not saying get rid of all drinks and just drink water. There are some huge benefits in coffee for starters. You know, the, we know that a couple of cups a day has huge medical and cognitive benefits. But as well, it's but about cherry smarting, It's about it's about um, it's about marking. You know, making smarter choices. Um, and, and specifically, you know, if you're having it, if you really like a cappuccino, have a skinny cappuccino. You know, little things like that have such an impact. Move the whole milk. Have your calories in a in a half a Snickers bar or something. Well, do you know, I I I've I've always liked whole milk. I used to work in Jersey. I did my nurse training in Jersey. Their milk's like got cream floating on top. Um, and I've always poo-pooed people who have these um, this one percent fat milk. And um, and but I, I, over since I've been trying to lose a bit of weight um, I've gone on to it now I can't possibly have a cup of tea with anything other than slim like low, low fat milk because if I if I have it with full fat milk it make me feel unwell yeah. very, very so rich. exactly find, yeah. so so it is all about this is all about small changes and actually I think there's a 21 day magic kind of time of doing something and after that, then you won't revert back. So if for 21 days you go without sugar in your tea, then you won't go back to it because it's far too sweet. And if you, you know, 21 days you go low-fat milk, you won't go back to full-fat. It's, it's those kind of things. You know, If you can just bear to do it for 21 days, then the chances are that you're going to end up um, being able to... I think this is a good point, Jane, because I think people who are trying to lose weight think it's... And I, I, you know, this was me again. Uh, it's all or nothing. So it's like a mad diet, like you're really restricting your, your calories and, and what you're doing. You make massive changes to the way you live your lifestyle, the way you eat, and, and everything. And then it all just goes, uh, for one of a better way, it all just goes to shit. Yeah. Um, small changes that can last over time is definitely what's worked for me. I know that's what we encourage our guys to do, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, 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 and do you know, I think, I think people don't understand the benefit of losing a pound a week. Because like you say, most of the people who come to me, they want to lose four stone in like six weeks. Right, it is you know, and there's no, and that's why these 800 calorie shakes, they love it because they like lose a lot of weight quickly. But the reality is, it's not sustainable. What is sustainable? Is this gradual, like you'll meet someone a year later after you start what you're doing and four pounds a week is like um, a stone, almost just under a stone um, in every three months and that in a year that's like nearly four stone. So actually this very slow gradual weight loss over a year can, can actually be four stone which is a lot of weight isn't it? And I, I mean, did you meet people a year on and they go, oh my God, yeah. I've got to recognise you? Yeah, I actually <clears throat> met somebody only yesterday um, who I'd not seen for a couple of years and they were like, didn't even recognise you. They were like, didn't even recognise you. I went to pay for a, a course, a driving course that I'd done that I have to do periodically and it's been a year since I'd done it and she was like, didn't even realise. Until you told me your name, I didn't realise it was you. Yeah. And that's Fantastic. really nice. Yeah, it's nice little wins like yeah. that. Yeah, no. It is. We'll, we'll just wrap that up there. Thank you very much for coming down, guys. Um, no doubt we will have you on again further down the line. Think, Roman? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, we'll I want cover more. Some subjects. I want more. Yeah, I think 
Um, definitely, maybe next time we'll talk more about the child obesity and what we can do to uh, to improve that. Uh, you guys are on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, British Obesity Society. You know, usual uh, social media platforms. Um, ourselves, we because um, this is coming out, I think sooner than ours. We're, we're in the process of recording um, a series of podcasts, which we're so excited about. We've got some amazing guests. Um, you know, similar to yourselves. Um, and so that's going to be released in January 2019. Loads of stuff going on. And, you know, get in touch if anyone's got any questions or, you know, anything that we've said, you, you want to argue with Jane, then please do, because this is how I spend my life, just arguing with Jane. It's like good you know, cop, bad cop. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. Jane, well, well, it's like, the, you know, experience over youth, yeah, you know I've, what I mean? I've, I've got nothing. And women are always right, yeah. <laughs> Jane always wins. Yeah. But, you know, if we if we can if we can help anyone, you know, if you, as I said, we get all sorts of messages and we do answer. We, we just like chatting, as you yeah. can tell. You know, we like chatting, we like having a conversation. And do you know what? You know, a take-home message. And I know we've gone around the houses here, but kudos to you, lads. You know, both of you and everyone else who's listening for making that change because it's not easy. You know, it isn't easy to to decide that you want to do something positive. But as you guys have said, and I think what's been alluded to says, those tiny little things that you can do make a life-changing difference and you will look back and it is and this is so cliche and i apologize for it but just making that little step where you go do you know what today i'm not going to have a biscuit i'm going to actually go outside or today i'm not going to have 10 fags i'm just going to have five you've got to look in the mirror at the end of the day and be like i did something pretty decent today and that's and it's those little things which have such a such significant difference as both of you you know sat here now looking healthy you know happy and you know being proud of yourselves as you should be and everyone else listening you've, you've got to give yourself kudos because it is more about anything else it's all about how you feel and i think that that's something that everybody needs to kind of take stock of that just making those tiny little changes has such an impact and you've got to give yourself a pat on the back sometimes well done. I can't let him have the last word, but so I'm just going to go. How did you know this was going? <laughs> yeah. So um, just to say, like last year I was walking the West Highland Way and you think losing a little bit of weight has no impact, but um, the year before I, I, I did the Amalfi Coast, 160 kilometres, and I really struggled. And so last year I decided to lose a stone and I lost a stone before I went on the walk and honestly, it made the walk so much easier. You cannot believe how carrying a stone extra in your body, what impact it has on, on, on you when you're doing anything. So, you know, it doesn't have to be lots and lots and lots of weight. It just has to be a small amount of weight and get thinking about being fitter. That's it. Sorry, Paul. Next time. Next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, guys. We'll be back with episode 12 coming soon. We will, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you.